Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness had seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called to them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Ah, uh, the season of light. Making decisions or living your life in the dark can lead to some regrettable consequences. Back in the days before electricity, a tight-fisted old farmer was taking his um, hired hand to task for lighting a lantern when he went to call on his best girl. Why, he exclaimed, when I went to courtin', I never carried one of them things. I always went in the dark. Yes, the hired man said wryly, and look what you got. <laughs> well, let's see if Jesus can shed some light on the subject today in this season of light. And let's see what Jesus is up to today. He heads north after being baptized in the Jordan and going out into the wilderness and was tempted there by the devil. He doesn't head home to Nazareth, but he heads to Galilee, to Capernaum, that fishing village on the northern part of the Sea of Galilee, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. It's interesting that he takes off up there, and the writer Matthew remembers Isaiah. Matthew knows the Old Testament very well, and he says, wait, there was a prophecy from Isaiah about those northern tribes, the Naphtali, you don't even probably, you wouldn't even, Zebulun, who are, those, who are those folks? Well, those are one of the ten tribes that got wiped out when the Assyrians came in the north hundreds of years before Jesus, and they kind of disappear. And their prophet would speak that, yep, they were wiped out, that land is now controlled by the Gentiles, that land now is in deep darkness, but one day light will shine. And isn't it interesting that Jesus heads up north to begin his ministry into that land of which 
the prophet prophesied a light would shine. Matthew wants us to see that Jesus just going up there and preaching and teaching is that light that shines in the darkness. How does that light shine? It's very interesting. The word is kariso, which is the word for comes from kerygma, which is the word for proclamation. It's our message. How does Jesus shine a light? He preaches. That's the word for preach, kerygma. He goes up and he begins to preach. That's the way the light shines. And when the light shines, Jesus begins calling and gathering and lightening his people. He's preaching to them and he gets some takers up there, some followers. Now the temptation at this point is to focus on those disciples. I mean, think about what they gave up, those fishermen. They quickly followed Jesus. They left their nets. They immediately went, we hear in Matthew and Mark. They courageously gave up everything for Jesus. We should be more like those disciples. Look what they did. How are you doing out there today? That's the temptation, and we could give a long sermon on evangelism and being fishers of people, following after Jesus indeed. But that would be a classic misunderstanding and reading of Scripture because we always want to make ourselves the subject. But actually, most of the verbs in the New Testament, especially in the Gospels, are about Jesus. Jesus is the subject, and he acts upon us. We're the objects. We get those mixed up. Maybe a Lutheran reading is to make sure we get those right. Who's doing the work in the text today? Jesus. Even his, the following, those are both adverbs. It really means this word we translate into followers, actually two Greek words that kind of just mean take up, a, take up your place behind Jesus. That's really what it means. Get behind Jesus. Follow him. But really, we just want to get back and we want to grab on to Jesus' cloak and just get behind him. And if we do, and when we do, Jesus says something amazing. He says, I will make you fish for people. I'll make you fishers of men and fishers of women, fishers of children and fishes, fishers for your enemy and your friend. I will make you fish for people. It's pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Fishers of people. Well, my goodness, that's a big order, isn't it? A big order to be to fish for people. I'd like to hold up for you just a minute that when you think about what the mission of the church is, I think it's clear from a text like this, the first thing Jesus says to his would-be followers is, I'm going to make you fish for people, that we are in the people business. We are in the business of trying to connect up people to Jesus Christ, trying to invite them, trying to get them caught up in the kingdom of God into following Jesus. That's why we exist. Oh, how do we do that? Well, the great thing is if we take up our place behind Jesus, if we follow him, he's going to make us fishers of people. Do you get that? Who's, 
am I going to do it? Are you going to do it? Sometimes as a pastor, one of the pastors here, I think, i got to help people talk about Jesus more. i got to help people do this. No, who does that? Jesus does. That's not my job. It's not your job. What our job is, is to get behind Jesus and follow him. Follow him. And if we do that, then he'll make us the, the fisher people that we're meant to be. So we pray. We pray that God's spirit will fill us as individuals and fill us as a congregation and make us fish for people. We pray, is that part of your daily prayer that Silverdale Lutheran will connect up more people who are in the darkness, who are lost without Jesus, who are looking for fulfillment and life in all the wrong places? Are, are we praying for that? If you're not, I want you to commit right now with me that every day for the next month, let's see what happens, that we're going to pray for that. We're going to pray for for people we know and for people we don't know. How do we follow Jesus? We come to his house and we receive his supper. We hear his word. Um, you know, how do we follow Jesus? We stick close to him. And so we hear his word both when we open up our Bibles at home and when we come and read it together. That's why we're always trying to get you folks into small group Bible studies so that you'll actually read the scripture because God has promised that God's spirit will come when you get into his word. That's why we do that, because we believe that if you get close and stick close to Jesus, the light will shine, and he'll make us who he wants us to be. Is there an amen out there for that? Okay, go ahead, go ahead. We follow, and Jesus will make us who he wants us to be. But let's get back to Jesus. Because after all, he went up to that northern land and he started to preach and shine his light. So really what I want to do today is get up before you and, and shine some light on the situation. I want to talk about Jesus. I don't want to talk about how he brought light to the darkness up there in the Sea of Galilee. I'd like to talk, try and talk about how is he shining light in the darkness of our lives now. I'm going fishing now. What is the darkness that people struggle with today in Kitsap County, in the state of Washington, in the United States of America, in this amazing world we live in? What is the darkness that particularly plagues us? In that Old Testament passage of Isaiah, um, when the light shines, it breaks the rod of the oppressor. What is oppressing you and I, in Kitsap County, well, how many days has it rained? Although I'm seeing, <laughs> it's a lot of darkness because of the lack of sunshine, but I can't do anything about that, but I can sure do something about the darkness, and we can bring some SON shine into the situation right now, right here. What's the darkness? As I look out, as I listen to culture and listen to people struggling, I'm told that people are not oppressed by their sin so much, that they feel guilty and so they need a savior. That's why they're not coming in droves to, you know, 
to church, Christian churches. I'm, I'm told that, and, and I think that's probably true. I think it, that sin just takes a different form. And maybe, maybe it comes in this darkness that people are trying desperately, that you and I are trying desperately to matter. Desperately to count for something, to have some significance in this world. This huge world with all the mass media and all the words and all the voices. People are feeling lost. People are feeling alone. And they're trying to figure out a way in which they matter. Let's, let's do an easy one and look at the kids. Because, you know, there, there's only a few kids here today, so we can... We can look at their situation. I mean, you go to school, and what group are you in? What's your identity? What's your, what, are you in the choir? Or when I was in school, I was a jock. So I could wear my football jersey, and I had a group, and so I mattered, and I counted. Are, were you, um, you know, the intellectual crew that had the, you know, pens in the pocket and the calculator? My best friend did. I always used to make fun of him, you know. You know. I'm not making fun of him anymore. <laughs> But there are all kinds of other groups and, and, you know, people that we cling to to make ourselves matter and count. People who, um, and there's nothing wrong with being a part of it. But I think part of it, it's almost oppressive because if you don't, if you're not in the right group or in some group, that, you know, then you're not somebody. Or we could go on and talk about how successful we are in this life or how much money we have or what clothes we wear or what cars we drive, what house we own. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to do a good job. That's great. But man, it does tend to become everything for us sometimes because we're told we don't matter unless... And it's in the midst of that darkness, that oppression... That Jesus comes among us right now. And he stands and looks at every person sitting here today. Maybe you're older. Maybe you can't do what you used to be able to do. And you don't feel like you matter. And you don't feel like you count as much as you used to. He looks at each and every one of us and says, you know what? I'm calling you. You matter to me. You are my beloved. I've forgiven you all your sin and, that, and given you all my righteousness. What that means is that you are somebody. And Jesus says so. The one who died and was raised from the dead, he looks at each and every one of us and says, stop trying to create your worth. I'm telling you, trust me, you matter. You count. You don't have to get involved in that group that maybe is going in the wrong direction and pulling you down even further into darkness because you don't need that. I love you. You are mine. You matter. You count. Not just as individuals, but here's the group where we have the promise that we are his beloved and his children. That's what Jesus came to preach. And, and you can say, well, how is that any different than when I came in here, Pastor Bill? I'm telling you because Jesus said so. And this is the guy through whom all things were created. This is the one who went to the cross and was raised from the dead. And I'm telling you, I think you ought to trust him. You matter. You count. The other darkness is certainly loneliness today. 
and the sense of aloneness. But I think the story, the light in the darkness is that God with us, God has promised, I'm with you. In the midst of that loss or the aloneness, you're not alone. God in Christ is right there with you. Even if no one else shows up, God is there. That's the promise. That's the promise. That's the light in the darkness. Hmm. Well, I hope I shed some light. I hope I said shed some light. Let's get behind Jesus and see what happens. Let's pray. Almighty God, there are people here who don't think they are important or matter or count. We all think that. Give us your spirit that we can embrace your word, that we are your children and we are your beloved and we matter and we count. God, there's people here who are alone and lost. May they know that you are with them. Thank you for the light that shines in the darkness. Amen.